Hello and welcome to another Comedian's Interview for my blog, A Rich Comic Life. My name is Richard Gill and my blog describes me watching over 800 com stand-up comedians and counting over the last 46 years. My guest today is the wonderful comedian, Mr. Sam Rhodes. Yay! Yay! Hello! Hello! <laughs> How are you? Are you all right? I'm very well, Squire. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Um, uh, we're uh, we're going to do uh, uh, an interview which will last 45 minutes to an hour, all about your comedy career. Or oh, one of my favourite topics. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if we go right back to the start, and if you can tell me, please, how did you become a stand-up comedian in the first place? Well, I've got a very uh, strange history in that I've always kind of described myself as an arts odd jobs man. Ever since I was sort of in my early 20s, I've been a self-employed uh, musician. Right. And, and I originally got into arts and performance uh, through that. So I've done a load of work over the years. I've, I was a drummer first and foremost. That right. was kind of my main, my main thing. Uh, but I also did a lot of songwriting. I did a lot of writing for TV and film and this sort of thing. Um, and basically what had started to happen is, sadly, because of just the movement of time and the increase in availability of a lot of the software I use and things like that, the job started to dwindle a little bit in the music industry, especially right. for drummers, sadly. We had a hard time. And because I'd been self-employed my entire life, I was like, right, I need something that I can do all on my own. Um, and I'm not I'm not sort of clever or sincere enough to be a singer-songwriter. You know, oh. so I... <laughs> so I, I really, really threw myself in headfirst into comedy. I kind of woke up one day and decided, I'm going to be a comedian now. <laughs> and I... Good for I, you. <laughs> I was very, I was very lucky in that one of the things people talk about having to get over early on is the stage fright. Yeah. And getting used to being in front of crowds. But of course, because I've been in the music industry for so long before, that was never a problem. I always, I came, I came out big with the confidence early <laughs> on. I think that 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 is a unique thing to have because mm. if you have that, you're halfway there. The, I I yeah. I agree. Yeah, I think so much of a good comedian is just likability and, and comfortability, yeah. you know. And I'm glad that I was likable and comfortable when I started because I certainly couldn't write any jokes at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> when 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 was this then? What sort of time are we looking at? Uh, this was probably around six or seven years ago now, but comedy had always been a huge part of my life. And it was um, my absolute, and still to this day, my absolute favorite thing to do is to watch comedy, to like listen to comedy. It, it really is. And I I just always thought as well when I was younger, Vic and Bob are, always, are my all-time favorites. Yeah, yeah. And I always thought, what a beautiful thing it must be for your job just to be to muck about with your best yeah. friend for a living. <laughs> you know. And it's brilliant. <laughs> I first saw uh, Reeves and Mortimer on the big night out on tour. Oh yeah! In in 1991, and their character Les uh, um, walked on the stage. Uh, he was a he was a, he was dressed as a scientist, and there was a ladder, a step ladder on stage, and he climbed the ladder, and he br he brought out a fishing rod, 
and he started fishing for loaves of bread that were on the stage. <laughs> and when he caught one, the whole audience went bananas. It was extraordinary. And I think, and I, and I, and I think the wonderful thing about them, I remember first watching them on Channel Four, and and. I kept going back to them thinking, what the hell is this, <laughs> you know? And that was the hook. You, mm. Once you got it, it was fantastic. It's a, oh, totally. They were, they were and and yeah. I think they really embody for me something that I think is so important, that humour is for everybody. Yeah. They're very they're very apolitical, so they don't do political jokes. They yeah. don't really do rude jokes. And they just do silly, fun stuff. That, and I think... Because you can enjoy that as a five-year-old or a ninety-five-year-old, and I think there's so much joy to be had from it. Very and it's much so, so. And it's something I, it's something when I've written material or I work on material, I really try and keep in mind. I, I, I'm a big fan of my jokes being as inclusive as possible. I really want everyone to be able to enjoy it. You know. That that does come across very, very much so when I saw you live. Um, many times I've seen you live, and and. Um, uh, that that I think is the key to it. You are a universal comedian, which works brilliantly. Can you describe your first ever comedy gig? Did you uh, go to pubs or? My first one is the weirdest first show ever. <laughs> I think I'm all I, ears. <laughs> I um, I had some musician friends, and I'd been saying to them for ages, "Oh, I really want to get into stand up. Maybe writing. Maybe something like this." And they knew that I wanted to do this, so. There was a big show happening at Sutton Football Club, where I'm from, and I kind of live down here, and they booked a couple of pro acts, and uh, they had an MC on of the night, and my friend was good friends with the MC, and they're all football lads, you know, and I'm yeah. certainly not that, but but they, he's, my friend said to the MC, you know, it'd be hilarious, just halfway through the night, announce Sam, just say he's coming on, we... <laughs> We won't tell him, I won't tell him, you won't tell him, and we'll just see what he does. Oh, brilliant. And the, the, the plan was, of course, to make me embarrassed. I think that's what they were trying to do. But they announced me, and I just went, all right, and I just leapt up, and I just did, oh, man, I was so, I was so like, nervous and energetic. I did a bit about dog fighting. <laughs> brilliant. I had this concept, which I thought was hilarious when I first started, which was, if you're into dog fighting, how do you invite other people? How do you let them know? <laughs> so, so I talked about that. I remember drinking someone's drink and then like running off the stage. <laughs> that was that was my first ever show. And it Original. Was, uh, yeah. And I think after I think I maybe got one or two laughs at that show, and then after that I was I was done. I was like, right, I'm I'm in now. This is this wow. is what I like. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. So so did you have the apprenticeship where you would play lots of five or ten minute sets in pubs? I did, but as well I was very uh, I was very apprehensive to do things like bringers early on. So right. I did do I did do some of those for a little while, but it they you know, it's I I feel like what I did is I took my music industry training and took that to the stage. So what they say, or what I'd been told when I was a musician, if there's nowhere to play, set up your own gig. Right. So, so that's exactly what I did. I didn't want to do lots of, um, you know, I didn't want to do lots of five minutes where I had to sit around and wait for other people. Yeah. And I, I knew the owner of the Alley Cat in Denmark Street really well. Yeah. 
though, I just said to him, let's do a weekly show here. I'll MC it. I'll book it. Wow. And I just dove, I just dove headfirst into it, you know. So Brilliant. I was, I was running a weekly show about two weeks into my comedy career, I think. <laughs> Well, that is one way to gain experience. Well, that was it. And once again, going back to Vic and Bob, I read about how their thing just started as a, you know, above a pub, just yeah, their yeah. mates or yeah. whatever. Bob, and I just... Bob was in the crowd, wasn't he? And he just climbed yeah. up on stage one day with him and that was it. That's exactly it. And I just really wanted to propagate that sort of fun atmosphere. And of course, when I was new, I had no idea what I was doing and I was running the shows too That's long brilliant. and, you know, but... I just, I really hope, and I've, I've spoken to a lot of comedians, and I really hope that when they do come and do my shows, that it's always got this super fun, super like, we're all buddies together sort yeah, of feel. Sure, yeah. And that was exactly what I was trying to propagate from very early on. And I just used that to figure out what material worked, you know. That's fantastic. <laughs> That's a great idea. Yeah. Um, so when you're doing these weekly shows um to date what has been your best and worst comedy gig i can't imagine oh. you having many bad comedy gigs because you're such a good comedian oh that's very kind of you so you're very nice no, I, um, <laughs> <laughs> well I've, i i am lucky in that because i do music as well and i do a lot of yeah. improvised music in the set I always feel I've got a bit of a get out. So if people aren't liking the jokes, I'll lean more into the music. And right. then it, and then even if they didn't like the music, they still have to think, well, at least he was good at that. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I think the worst show I've ever done was probably in America when I was on tour uh, a couple of years ago. I was in Memphis and I had a couple of pro shows in Memphis, but I wanted to fill a free day in between. So I thought I'd go down and see if there was a good like local open mic to do in Memphis. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> I turned up at this tiny grotty club in Memphis and they had probably the same five comedians every week for 10 years you know <laughs> so i felt like it was a very unwarm welcome i really felt very <laughs> like you know they were not every every other time i'd gigged in the states and even when i'd done little pickup shows like that everyone was lovely and we'd all have a nice chat yeah, i'd usually yeah, make yeah. a couple of friends but yeah, this tiny club in Memphis, those guys were having none of it. Wow. They were not impressed by me. They did not wow. like my sort of thing. You know, they were doing very like roasty sort of jokes, like mean jokes. Uh, and it was very, very, very odd. It, it just had a very strange atmosphere. That's, and, that's, yeah. I, su I suppose you have to have the, the difficult gigs to make you a better comedian though oh definitely yeah, yeah yeah i did another one in the states actually now i think of it and it wasn't a bad gig at all but it was just a funny thing for someone completely missing the point <laughs> which was that i did this show and we called it microwave massacre and the joke of the show was i pretended to be the director of a movie right. but i had never seen the movie before we watched it live on stage Brilliant. So, so I pretend to be the director and I'm talking about why I've made these choices and <laughs> why this has happened in the movie, you know. Oh, and And it was so fun. And we did it a couple of times and nine times out of ten, people really got it and got on board. But I did one of those shows and a large group of people had come from the local film school 
and they genuinely thought they were coming to see a director talk about his movie. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> and, and of course, for the whole thing, you know, half of the crowd were laughing, but this small group of like film students were sitting there going like, oh, huh. <laughs> you know? And they didn't leave and they weren't angry, but at the end, they were just like, well, what was that? <laughs> They just didn't understand what it was. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> that's such a good story. Oh, it was really fun, you um, know. You you remind me your your musical comedy reminds me it's it's a similar style, I think, to Rob Deering, who can make a very funny song very quickly and, and get an audience laughing. Um you said that you're because of your musical background you don't seem to get any nerves when you go on stage were you were you ever nervous at the start how, how did you cope with them at all if you did it's really interesting because um once again this all goes back to sort of when i was at university studying music i've got so much great advice then that's really carried me over yeah and one of the pieces of advice i got was um nerves and excitement are actually the same emotion wow we just call them something different you know so when when i was at university they say if you ever feel nervous reframe it don't think of it as being nervous think of it as being excited because it's exactly the same physical reaction it's exactly the same feeling you know uh, we just as humans have given it two different names <laughs> And, uh, that's true, yeah. yeah, and I thought, I don't know why this weird piece of logic kind of really helped me, <laughs> but it did. The only time I've really felt nervous uh, is when I've performed with other comedians I really respect. Right. So I did a set of shows with Rich Hall, and obviously he was wow. in SNL, and I was opening for Rich Hall, and I have a huge amount of respect for that that's man. Incredible. He's one of my favorite comedians. And... Um, the first two nights he watched my performance both times and I wasn't nervous for the crowd but I was nervous because I was like Rich Hall is watching this you know and I was looking and I was like I hope he's laughing you know because wow. <laughs> if he's laughing wow. and I got a couple of little sniggers out of him so I was like okay he's had a little laugh did he, you know did, did he say hello to you afterwards and comment? oh yeah he was he was a lovely bloke yeah, yeah. we we had a real you know we had a real nice time backstage he was very you know, he's he's got a very grumpy demeanour, but he was a really nice yeah, guy, is, if that makes is, sense, yeah. you know. I've so, seen yeah. him I've seen him many, many times over the years and uh, I met him at Headliners Comedy Club in Chiswick mm. after his set and he came up to me and he went and he went, You're the one with the loud laugh <laughs> <laughs> I went, Am I? Oh thank you. <laughs> he was he was terrific. I I love his um show with the band. That, yes. that, that the the down uh, mm. it's, it's such a good idea for him yeah. um, when you're on stage how do you remember all your routines that's yeah that's a real interesting thing because I for years wanted it to be improvised all the time right so when I first started I did an awful lot of improvisation and I'd really decided like oh improv is where it's at you know but then of course <laughs> Then, of course, I'd, I would do bits that went really well. And I'd go, God damn it, why don't I do that bit again if it's good? You know? 
<laughs> so, so what I do when I'm on stage is I have these little blocks. So I know that certain bits will roll into other bits and yeah, roll yeah. into other bits. Uh, but I do like to see if I can still get some improv in. And I do try and sort of hone it for the audience I'm doing doing it for. Sure. So my dream audience is actually uh, your middle-aged nerdy man audience. Anyone who likes a bit of like... Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my... I, I think my frame of reference is very sort of seventies, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so I, I kind of like I do gear the material to to who's there, yeah. And I keep an eye on the crowd and see what they're liking and what they don't like. And um, I don't always do it in the same order as the other thing, you right. know. I like to change it up a bit, and I like to see what's working in different places. But I do annoy myself because I don't write. <laughs> stuff down is the other thing when i think of a joke i don't ever write it i i'll maybe do a voice recording or when there was lots of shows on i just think of it maybe on the train and then i'd say it on stage and record it brilliant and if it worked then i'd expand on it you know um but sometimes you know you have a really great night and you come up with a really good bit but you didn't record it you didn't write it down so they're just <laughs> lost to the ages which is a bit sad <laughs> You said you said before about being uh, um, part of the seventies. That was obviously the decade where I, where I saw my first um, comedy show myself. The, the 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 very first one I saw was Les Dawson in, oh, in so seventy five, and, and then a year later I saw Tommy Cooper. Oh, I'd have loved to have seen Tommy oh, Cooper. He was, he was amazing, and then. Ken, my, my, Ken Dodd as well. Mm, all, all, you see, Ken, I met Ken Dodd. He was a beautiful man. I was oh, so happy to love, get to meet him. Met him. But my, um, yeah, so I was born in the 80s, but I'm obsessed with the 70s. It's wow. the weirdest thing. Like, I, I'm, I was I'm born in the 60s. <laughs> yeah, I'm constantly obsessed with stuff. I'm nostalgic for things I wasn't even there for. Do you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> I've got a giant record collection. I'm obsessed with films and TV from the seventies, you know. Brilliant. And That's I met uh, I, I met Ken Dodd, and I met him at a train station, and like I said wow. to him, "Oh, you're you're a genius. I'm a big fan of yours. My Nam is your favourite." Wow. And I actually said to him, "Like, oh my God, are you Ken Dodd?" And he said to me, "I used to be," <laughs> <laughs> and I was like. He still got it, and he was—he was—it was about—it was the year he died, actually. I oh, think. Was, what, a, what a what a great 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 comic! I saw. Oh him, yeah. I saw him four or five times. Mm. My, my favorite story was when I saw him at Crew, and uh, he did the first half. I was with a friend of mine, and uh, the interval was at half past ten. He was infamous for doing the very long shows, and he wasn't going down so well. And or he thought he wasn't, and the second half he bounded on, and he started telling jokes about newspapers. And he looked at me and he said, "He said, sir, he said, what's the uh, newspaper in Crew?" And I yelled out, "The Crew Mail." And uh, two old women behind me went, "No, no, no, it's not the Mail, it's the Chronicle." And I turned around and went, no, no, it's the mail. And then, no, no, it's the chronicle. This went on for about five minutes. Floored him. He couldn't stop laughing. He looked at me and he said, where are you from, sir? I said, Carlisle. I said, oh, I'll see you on Sunday. <laughs> he was just oh, the best. because He really was. He needed the oomph that second mm. half. He just needed a bit of audience participation. And this is what I was going to come on to with you. You're very good at doing that with an audience. 
and again this must be like the fearlessness in you with the with the confidence yeah and it's it's another thing you learn from playing music like because yeah. i studied because i studied jazz uh, our jazz tutor always used to say jazz is very insular you're playing a lot of stuff to yourself but pick people in the crowd that you're playing to and they're going to enjoy it an awful lot more so find a little group in the audience that you're performing this particular thing to and it works really well and i i do exactly that with comedy for each little bit i'm doing i kind of pick who i'm telling the joke to you know That's and a great the, tip. and the people in that group where they're sitting they also feel like you're telling them the joke you know if that makes sense yeah, yeah, um, yeah. it's it's just a beautiful way to feel more engaged with people you know yeah yeah that's 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 terrific um i believe you've toured all over the world with your stand-up comedy is that right yeah well i mostly do uh america europe and russia they're the three places i wow. get to go quite often which is really nice wow um yeah I always have a good time. How do how do audiences differ in each country? Do you find that there there are differences? Do you tailor make your material? Definitely. the The hardest thing, quite often, is so America's great to go and play because the good thing about that is there's always little. They've got a similar setup to the UK, so there's always little shows or little warm up shows you can do yeah. where you can go and you can use tell some jokes and. You know, and if people don't understand stuff, you've got time to change it. But places like Russia are exceptionally intimidating because they don't really have an open mic circuit. No. <laughs> and, and they bring acts from America. They bring acts from, you know, so last time I went, I was the, the act who'd been the week before me was Dylan Moran right. from Ireland, you know. Right, and yeah. um, so they, they bring these guys in and they put you on a big stage and they, you know, and, you know, 500 people turn up, 600 <laughs> people turn up and then they go, right, go. And unfortunately, you only learn what doesn't work in that country on that first day. <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's really weird little things like things have different names, obviously. Yeah. Um, so I used to do a little joke about the Muppets because I love the Muppets Brilliant. and I did it in Very Russia good. and it just went completely dead and they didn't understand it at all and I was like oh that's weird I thought that was quite universal but then only after the show did I find out that the Muppets have a different name in Russia so no one knew what I was talking you about you know? exactly <laughs> so yeah so weird things like that and just turns of phrase little words you might use you sometimes have to change I when I was in the Midwest in the States, I started a show and I was actually, I was go, I was speaking quite quickly because I was quite excited and I was having a good time. And a guy in the crowd just went, hey, speak English. <laughs> <laughs> and if, I you're, just, if you're going too fast. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. In the states, I do everything slightly wow. slower, definitely, and I enunciate a lot more. You know, they are they are somewhat very frank, aren't they? <laughs> they can be. <laughs> the funny thing about doing America, which I think is nice, is that they say to me quite a lot, "Oh, your comedy is very clever," and I really don't think of it like that at all. And I think they just hear the accent and think it's clever. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, w I would take any compliments. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, you're also a musician, like you've said before. Mm -hmm. 
Um, do you prefer writing music or writing comedy? I I always prefer when I get to do it with other people for both of them. That's the real difference I find. So what I enjoy most about music and comedy is actually the sort of camaraderie that comes with it. You know, like being in a band is great. And my favourite thing about comedy, much as stand-up is brilliant and so good, my favourite things to do are stuff like podcasts, or at the moment I'm working on an album with a couple of American comedians, which is coming out in the States, and it's a comedy sketch album. Right. And it's been such a delight. It's been so fun to do because, you know, we just get together, we muck about, we spend all day writing and recording things, and then at the end we've got this really beautiful thing. That's brilliant. Uh, and I just find it so... Yeah, we haven't officially announced it yet, so this is a this is an exclusive, <laughs> well, an exclusive for you. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds brilliant. Though. Yeah, well, we we have a. I released an album with a band last year, and this record label who put the album out have said to me, "Oh, do you have a comedy album you'd like to make?" And I said, "Yeah, I'd love to make a comedy album." So me and these two writers, we're we're putting it together. You might have encountered them actually because they live in England. They're Americans, but they live here. Uh, it's Molly Moldshine. Yes. Is, yes. So it's me, her, and a Mexican-American called Sean Sellers. Yeah, I've heard the name. I've certainly seen Molly Moldshine. Mm. She's brilliant. Oh, she's Very magnificent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we, what I love about our little grouping is that the three of us look like three people who would never be friends in real life. You know, <laughs> we're very, we're very, very different people. <laughs> and, is it? And I, is it more? musical comedy or is it uh, comedian sketches it's a big mix of all sorts of things right. yeah so the idea of this the idea of the show is uh, it's called meet the junior misses that's what we're called the Brilliant. junior misses <laughs> and our our album is a spoof retrospective of an imaginary radio station so Great so idea. So what it is, is, you know, this imaginary radio station in LA has 70 years worth of backlogs of recordings. <laughs> and, and we're hearing the real historic events from these 70 years, you know. That's and our funny. idea for the sketch thing is, because usually sketch characters, you get them in a situation and then you change the situation, but it's largely the same person. Yeah. Whereas our idea is we have characters that live in the 50s in one sketch and then we can hear what's happening to them in the 70s or what's happening to them in the 90s, you know. That's so ingenious. we actually, we move these characters through time rather than just through different locations. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the album's done and it, it was so much fun to make that we're also making it as a, a radio show. So we're doing an accompanying radio show and we're just trying to sell it at the moment. We're trying to find either a good podcast platform to put it out or, you know, hopefully maybe the BBC is obviously the dream. But, wow. uh, yeah, it's... Well, I it's, wish you every success with oh, that. Oh, thank it's, you very much, it, sir. It sounds such a great idea. It has been so fun as well. It's just, yeah, yeah. It, as I said, I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed making it. It's really wonderful. Brilliant. Oh, oh, I'm, I'm absolutely delighted for you. Um, <laughs> Every time I've seen you live on stage, you have made me laugh out loud with your routines. You really, I mean, they are just inspired. How do you get your ideas? I really love talking to my friends. That's, that's one of the best ways 
to 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 kind of come up with stuff. As I said, I don't often sit down, you know, to write something. Yeah, I I love for it to feel organic, and quite often, I have a very good friend called James who I've played in bands with for years, and I've tried to convince him for years that he should also try some comedy because. <laughs> I think he's hilarious and he's one of these guys he's just got a real we've got so many shared interests and he's got a real interesting take on things so quite a lot of what eventually becomes material will just come out of me and James watching a stupid movie and just yeah, having yeah. a chat for a couple of hours and then something will come up and I'll think oh that's a really funny weird idea and then I'll do a little voice recording in my phone just an outline of maybe something and then it will develop into something like that yeah yeah and as i said i just love i love the back and forth it's my favorite thing you yeah know? yeah do you take notes at all for if, if you're on stage see how things went or do you record as you do I, it or? yeah so when i perform on stage i usually i usually try and get an audio or video recording right um just so then if something jumps in it can i actually really don't like personally uh notes on stage no because I, I think it breaks the... I always say it's like professional wrestling, right? Everybody knows that wrestling is fake, right? Everyone knows yeah. <laughs> that. But people still love to watch wrestling because when you go to see it, they take it seriously. Yeah. And they never tell you that it's fake. And I think stand-up is exactly the same. Everybody knows that the comedian has thought of these jokes in advance. He said them 50,000 times. <laughs> But the, the real magic is pretending that you've just thought of it just then. It's the walking on and doing it for the first time. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. and I think as soon as you've got a little notepad, you're showing the audience, hey, this isn't spontaneous. Yeah, this yeah. isn't happening now. Yeah. And yeah. even though they, they know that, you shouldn't show them that, I think. So, yeah, so yeah I, I don't good. ever... That's very good advice, yeah. I don't ever have notes and I don't even write on my hands or anything because right. I... I don't want people to ever know if it's something I've said 900 times or something <laughs> I've just thought of then, you know. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, what has so far been your comedy highlight? Getting to record my comedy special out in the States was certainly a, an absolutely beautiful thing. And it was, it was a lot of work and it was very, you know, it was very hard to organise and raise the money for and everything like that. But... Yeah. That was definitely to this day. I think I don't. Ha I don't think I've had a greater uh, time. Just the relief of that actually going well, and then finally getting Excellent. it released, and finally getting yeah. it out on Amazon and stuff. It's just been, you know, that was definitely something I really, really, really enjoyed. It's so good because um, comedy albums. You've. It's like a book. You've got it. It's there forevermore. Once. Mm. One, once it's laid down. Um, I I had uh, Jasper Carrot's um, uh, uh, comedy albums. I had Les Dawson's ones. Um, they all used to um, do them that would that would chart. You know they yeah they, uh, I love it yeah popular and um, it's so good to have a record of what you've done as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, we we filmed it in a theatre in in the Midwest. Right. And we you know we did everything to make sure the theater was full we you know we had a full lighting team a full camera crew a full sound crew and yeah. it was it was beautiful and one of the other reasons i liked it so much is we had to as i said we had to raise money to, yeah. to make it happen so 
we actually had to find, you know, uh, investors and um, uh, patrons who believed in what we were doing enough that it was so that they'd help us make it, you know. Sure, and yeah, yeah. I, I just worked with an amazing team of filmmakers and my tour manager is a guy called Brad Bennett and he is one of the soundest men in the entire world. And Brilliant. he was so, he was so helpful in help making it happen. And I just feel so, I just feel so privileged that so many people would want to help me yeah, make this yeah. silly thing. And I just thought it was, as I said, I just thought it was beautiful. And if any of those men who've helped me make that ever need a favor, <laughs> they, they, they could ask they know me anything. To go. That's, that's, yeah, that's exactly that's right. Great. Um, yeah. Do you have any any ambitions as a comedian? Do you want? Uh, would you like to play the O2? Would you like your own quiz show? Anything like that? I'm weirdly. I mean, my my dream career is Stuart Lee's career. I think like. <laughs> I don't really want to do massive stadiums. I mean, I'd love to do something like a sitcom, but what I think is really great is not having everybody, not having 20 million people who know who you are, but don't really get it. Yeah. I'd much I'd much rather have 2,000 or 3,000 people who really, really get it, you know? <laughs> and I think that's, that's the dream for me is to just, because all I ever want is to be able to do this and not, worry about doing other things yeah yeah so so i'm not interested in being famous really i'm not interested in that sort of thing uh but i i like the idea that enough people like it so that i can just chug along and make whatever crazy thing that i that i want and i'm getting there it's it's yeah. you know i was before this bloody pandemic i was oh. as i said full full-time stand-up comedian so yeah, it was yeah. you know really really nice was and there I'm, a was there a point um, in the five or six years where you thought, yes, this is a, this is working, this is a full-time job for me now. Was there a specific point? It was um, the first the first time I paid a full month's rent just with money I don't from comedy was pretty oh. satisfying. That was that was a real thing, you know. I was really really oh, pleased with that. That's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. That's um, great. Yeah. That's great. Um, as you say, we're all living in strange times. Um, how have you found online gigs as opposed to live comedy? Have you I've, done many? I've only done a very limited amount because I, I find that you lose that. As you were saying, I love improvising and I love talking and interacting with the crowd. Yeah. And you, you lose that big time on those on yeah. the streamed gigs. So what I do more often when I do a stream show, I have puppets and I have I wow. have these stupid characters that I do. <laughs> so when I've been doing the stream gigs, like I've been doing little puppet shows with people in Shades of Harry Hill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. A great idea yeah. though. Again. Well, I love I love doing characters and voices and stuff. And on my yeah. podcast I play all these different characters. So it was, you know, Mad Ron, I'm sure you've encountered yeah, yeah, Mad yeah, Ron. Yeah, 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 of course, yeah. He'd been saying to me for ages, you need to find a way to get these character voices and characters onto the stage. Yeah. And then I did some work for this Russian media company where I had to make some videos with puppets. <laughs> but, so they bought me, you know, they bought me these puppets to make these videos. And really? then I was like, okay, now I've got these. I think I can do 
some sketches and That's some brilliant. comedy with them. That's and what's right. so what's so funny about it? I have this character called Michael Peach Daddy, who's a very very mean American, <laughs> and he's very rich and he's a lawyer and he's horrible to people. And it's so freeing because at the end of the show, people come up to me and go, "Oh, that Michael's very mean, isn't he?" Uh, <laughs> and I go, so they're believing in the character. Yeah, and yeah. I go, "It's me. I'm." <laughs> 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 that's that's a that's an ingenious way of um doing an online gig though because um uh, i saw harry hill recently do an online gig and he, he mm. had loads of puppets and everything and it's it's the visual medium was terrific yeah um, i just i just think it's something different as well you yeah, know yeah yeah I, I first saw harry hill 30 years ago at the mm. downstairs at the king's head and he still holds for me the funniest uh, opening line to any set he was late for the set and yeah. he rushed past me climbed up onto the stage and he said ladies and gentlemen uh, i'm sorry i'm late i had to have a testicle brought down and the whole audience laughed and then he said <laughs> and then he said from derby <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he's a genius, he's the a man. Genius. I love him. I love when I, him. When I, when I met him, I told him that story, and he went, "Oh, I'm still using that line." <laughs> <laughs> I I um I agree with you about online gigs. I think they're a super substitute. I do go to a lot of them. I I go to Always Be Comedy, who are I think the best at doing them. Mm. I go to Jarlath Regan's. Um, uh, return of the return of the crack i go to happy mondays um so i do go to a lot of them but when they first started they didn't have any audio so mm. i would sit here and laugh and nobody could hear me so i was like, like laughing up four walls i thought yeah. i was going to be taken away um, <laughs> but, but but when they opened up the audio um it it seemed to work because it was timing for the comedian the comedian yeah. to chat to you and everything but ultimately you cannot beat live comedy there's something oh, of being yeah. in that moment um the, uh, where anything can happen and i'm so looking forward to going back i love to go out on, for, for a drink on a saturday night and then go to a comedy show mm. there's there's just something very special about it um who who are your favorite comedians past and present oh yeah so as i said vic and bob all-time heroes cannot be beaten Right. my dream my dream uh, my dream job is to get to work with bob mortimer on something i think yeah wow. just anything just yeah. anything at all you can um, go fishing with him that would, oh <laughs> imagine that that would be so wonderful um i'm a huge fan of an american improvised stand-up comedian called paul f Tompkins. right i've heard i of him. i adore him he he literally never fails to make me laugh and because so much of his stuff is improvised i find how he does it fascinating i yeah. i think he's so good and he does a lot of podcasts so he's been the voice in my head most of this year to be honest you know because <laughs> he's been there i really love him i love uh obviously all the old british alternative comedians rick mail all of this yeah. stuff yeah um but I've got a real soft spot for Jerry Seinfeld as well. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. I really like him. I saw, and uh, I saw Rick Mail in Carlisle on oh, tour. And yeah. uh, um, before he appeared, they were playing the, uh, the Muppet Show theme 
and the theme from Dallas into try and scratching. <laughs> and he kept saying, ladies and gentlemen of the Carl, because I saw him in Carlisle, he called it the Carl, I will be with you soon. And then the whole place, the whole stage exploded. He jumped on, his trousers exploded. And he, and he, and he spotted one uh, member of the audience not laughing near me, jumped down and threw him out. Whether he was a plant or not, I've no idea. But what a what a performer! It's such oh, a sad yeah. loss. That's how you do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he he was extraordinary. Mm. Um, uh, like me, do you go to a lot of comedy gigs as a member of the audience? Oh yeah. Well, I whenever I'm not working, it is weird because it's something I genuinely love, and I feel like it's 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 very weird for me because I always thought that all comedians were going to be people who love comedy and are very social. <laughs> And then, of course, you get into comedy and you realise that that is not the case at all. <laughs> no. For most of them, it's it's the exact opposite, yeah. you know. You're, I, you're one of the few people that have said yes to this question. <laughs> I love it. I, I genuinely love it. And I think, yeah. um, I don't know if it's just because I've got a short memory or short attention span, but I'm really lucky in that I don't think I overanalyze comedy when I watch it either. I just yeah. let myself enjoy it. Yeah. which is something I could never do with music. With music, I'm very, very, very analytical all the time. But I just I just love getting into that spirit of like, oh, we're all here to have a good time. Yeah, exactly. It's, I love it. I yeah. just, I really do love it. I'm a, I'm a member of the audience when I go, and, and that's exactly it. I'm out to have a good time, and, and mm. the blog comes across as an enthuse um, for, for everybody who has a go and doing it. The reason why I asked those last two questions about your favorite comedians and whether or not you go is that um, there's, a, there's a section in my blog called The Ones That Got Away and I've written 25 comedians who I would have loved to have seen and uh, mm. for some reason I haven't. Top of the tree for me was Morecambe and Wise. Yeah, I would of course, love yeah. to have seen them. They're, they're, they're the reason, obviously, why, why I uh, love comedy. There's mm. something more to the to acts like that with like Twiddle of the Glasses or Tommy Cooper's yeah. Affairs or whatever. And and um, uh, um, also in there was Dave Allen, Bob Monkhouse. Um, I've never seen um, Ross Noble, which is surprising. Oh, right. That's I would interesting. Love, yeah. I would love to see him. I saw him um in uh the mel brooks musical oh young frankenstein. young frankenstein yeah frankenstein. he was superb but mm. i've never seen him do a live set yet he's, he's yeah that's right list. he's gonna be back in no time you know <laughs> um just before we go and i've so loved talking to you I've so, I've so much enjoyed it um is there anything else you'd like to say where can people find you on social media um, are you doing any more online gigs or do you want to mention podcasts, anything like that? Yeah, so the best place to find me um, is on Facebook. My main sort of stuff is there and it's facebook.com forward slash Sam Rhodes CE and the uh, CE stands for Comedy Explosion. That's what I call of all of my <laughs> Sam Rhodes Comedy Explosion is all my stuff. If you have Amazon Prime, you can watch my comedy special which is called Americanorama. Right. <laughs> because I love I love awful portmanteaus that make things very hard to find online. <laughs> and I also have a podcast, as all comedians do, and it's called Segmentertainment. Because Brilliant. I as I said, I like to do everything. 
long names. <laughs> yes. But um, Segmentertainment is a beautiful sort of heightened reality podcast where I play characters, other people play characters. Each series has an internal sort of story arc. Yeah. And I wrote a new theme tune for every episode for 70 episodes. So it was a lot of work. You have been very, very busy. I'm a uh, busy boy. <laughs> I would I would love to see you live again very soon. I'm going to make oh. a point of it. Mm. And I've so much enjoyed chatting to you today. Thank you it's, so much for your time. It's been a beautiful thing. Thank you. And all the best to you. you.